Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. If you're a first-time guest, I just want to say welcome. Um, we are so thankful that you decided to join us this morning. Um, one of the greatest things in life is time, and we appreciate you spending your time with us this Sunday morning. Um, if you consider Harvest your church home, it's good to see you all. Uh, welcome back. It's good to uh, spend time with family. Um, I love this time of year. I love this weather. Uh, I don't like it much colder than this. I am a Florida boy. I got super thin skin. Um, so if it drops to the 60s or 50s, I'm like triple layer, double layering it up. Uh, but the high 60s, low 70s, that works for me. Um, so I hope you're enjoying it. It's not cold enough to kill the bugs quite yet. Uh, at that temperature is what I love the most. But um, it's good to see you all. We are starting a brand new series, like Danny said, um, called Hero Maker. And um, I am really excited for this series. So when we gather on Sundays, um, I am, we, we emphasize the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and rose again on the third day. And he offers us salvation for our souls for eternity. But we are not at eternity yet are we? And so in the meantime, he transforms our lives, which is what we call uh, sanctification. And sanctification, my children's pastor uh, growing up used to say, it's a big word with an itty bitty meaning. So uh, sanctification is just the journey of following Jesus, and he changes you to look more like him throughout your life. But what does this life look like? We talk about it all the time, like, hey, Jesus has saved you, and now he wants to change your life. You're like, great, I want him to change my life, but what does this actually look like? And so that's what we're going to be looking at during the series, Hero Maker, is we're going to come at it from an angle of this is how Jesus changes our life to change the lives of others. I love superheroes. Um, I um, am a superhero fan. I'm a comic book fan. I'm a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I refuse to, since I, uh, Iron Man 1 came out, um, my dad took me to go see that, the midnight premiere. And so since the very first MCU movie, Iron Man 1, I have not missed a midnight premiere of any Marvel movie to date. Uh, I love those movies and it was just a tradition in my family growing up um, to go see those movies and so if you're wanting to go see a new Marvel movie at midnight hit me up I'll go with you right uh, but I love superheroes so much so my grandmother used to sew a lot and she would make our Halloween costumes. My parents would not go to Walmart. Um, they would not go to uh, any like Halloween City store or uh, Spirit Halloween store and go buy costumes. What they would do is they would just tell my grandmother, this is what Trey wants to be for Halloween this year. Can you make it? And she would say, absolutely. Almost every year I wanted to be Batman. So there was one year, I do not remember this. Okay, this is a story I've been told, right? I think I was four or five years old. And again, I don't remember this. Um, but uh, apparently my grandmother made me a Batman costume. I put it on and I was lingering in the bathroom for too long. Um, it's where I went to go change. And so my dad uh, walks in and goes, are you okay in here? And I'm just staring at myself in the mirror. And he goes, are you okay? And I'm just, and apparently about five to seven seconds passed, 
And I just slowly look at him, and I go, how do I get to the roof? And he looks at me, he goes, uh, sir, you don't. He goes, but I'm Batman. I've got to get to the roof and wait for the bat signal. He's like, you don't get to the roof, son, all right? You stay on the ground, and that's a command, and whatever. So I remember, like, I just love superheroes. I, I have... I, uh, maybe your kids love superheroes. Um, maybe you're that guy that dresses up when you go see midnight premieres at Marvel movies. No judgment against you. Um, it's a little weird, but no judgment against you. Um, we, everybody in the world loves superheroes. Four out of the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time are superhero movies. The other six have a, have a hero story arc in it where there is a main character who goes through trial, who learns a lesson and ends up saving the day. All 10 top movies, grossing movies of all time, have a hero arc or are like just genre-wise hero movies. We love heroes. But something that every single hero has is what? Help right? There is no, like, Batman has Alfred, right? Rocky has uh, his trainer, Mickey. Uh, Wolverine has Professor X. T'Challa has T'Chaka. Spider-Man had Ben. I could go on and on and on and on and on about these examples, but the point is every superhero had help. And all that to say, none of these heroes started out as heroes, For each of them, there was someone who came alongside them at some point in their journey and was, in fact, our title for today, a hero maker. A hero maker. Every movie with a hero in it has a hero maker. For every hero, there is a hero maker. If you were to take a step back in your own life, and think about your story and your journey, I'm sure some of you, almost every single one of you, could think of somebody who came alongside you at a certain point in your life and helped you become either who you are today or who you are on a journey to become today. Maybe even before you believed in yourself, that person came alongside you and helped you believe in yourself. And while every kid, right, wants to be a hero, I was not dressing up as Alfred. I don't know if you were. If you were, we need to talk afterwards. But I was dressing up as Batman. I was not trying to dress up as Uncle Ben for Halloween. I was trying to dress up as Spider-Man. Every kid wants to be the hero. And at a certain point, maturing in our lives and maturing in our faith, we need to go from wanting to be a hero to, be, to realize that what we are called to actually be as Jesus followers is a hero maker. Now, what is a hero maker? A hero maker is a person who shifts from being the hero to making others the hero in the unfolding story of God's kingdom. When you look at the life and story of Jesus, number one, he was the ultimate hero. But number two, he was also the ultimate hero maker. He spent the majority of his ministry here on earth investing into the lives of 12 men. And these 12 men weren't just heroes, they became hero makers as well. 
And the whole movement of Jesus being the ultimate hero and hero maker, making other hero makers, flipped the world upside down in a good way. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, flip there, phone swipe there. If not, it'll be on the Sky Bibles for your convenience. But Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. I want to read us a, a starting point where Jesus called his first hero makers. It says this, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and, they, uh, and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and, and, uh, and they were with their father, Zebedee, in the boat, and with their hired servants, and they followed him. Now, if you think about this, what we just read, these disciples, they're, they're fishermen. That's their trade. That's their job. That's how they get paid. And this guy walks up to them, and there's a, a greater detailed story of how this all unfolded. But essentially just looks at them and goes, hey, leave your job, leave your families, um, come and follow me. I'm not going to tell you what the next three years are going to look like. I'm not going to tell you what the rest of your lives are going to look like. I'm just here to tell you, follow me. And when you read this, it seems super spiritual, but at the time, it seemed pretty stupid. <laughs> right? Like, hey, Dad. I'm quitting my job to go follow that guy with sandals. You're what? Yeah, he said to drop the net, so I'm, ah, I'm just going to go follow him. <laughs> like, you'd be like, uh, son, let, hold on, pause, pause for a second, right? Like, let's think through this. Like, so at the time, it was not a really logical decision to make if you actually put yourself in their situation, a little bit of cool context of this story, though, is all these boys that uh, Jesus called, they were all teenagers, if not early 20s. Jesus calls them, and at an early point in their life, every Hebrew boy had to go to a religious training, religious school. And at a certain point, the rabbis, the teachers of that day and age, would pick the brightest of the brightest of boys in that school to be their student, to be their apprentice, and to eventually take their place as the lead rabbis and teachers. That was how the Jewish system worked. These boys, these teenagers were rejected by many uh, teachers, overlooked by many teachers, and said, you are not good enough, you are not smart enough to be my student. Go out into the world and get a real job. Here comes, as, uh, as John would describe him, the ultimate teacher, the ultimate rabbi, who looked at them and said, you are, you are enough for me. You are enough. And so while they were passed up by men, Jesus, the ultimate rabbi, the ultimate teacher, said, drop what you're doing and become a student of mine. The ultimate teacher, the ultimate rabbi calls them to what? What does Jesus call them to do? He doesn't look at them and say, hey, listen, come be a preacher Come be a, a demon caster outer, right? Come be a devil stomping ninja warrior, right? That's not what Jesus calls them to do. He says, hey, listen, come follow me. To follow him. 
So to be a hero maker, we have to be a Jesus follower. In order for us to be a hero maker, first, we must be Jesus followers. It requires us to do what, in essence, the disciples did, to drop the nets, to leave the old and embrace the new, embrace this man called Jesus leading us into something new. I've said this many a times, but I think one of the greatest disservices that the modern church teaches people is that when you decide to follow Jesus, he gives you a good life. Whenever you look at the narrative of scripture, almost every disciple is killed for preaching the gospel. You read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, it is a, a great book to read from the first martyr in Stephen for preaching the gospel to modern day martyrs who die for preaching the gospel. The majority of the Bible, their stories, our heroes of faith do not end well. There is no prosperity. There is no monetary money, material gain for following Jesus. That's not what he promises you. He doesn't promise you the good life. He promises you a new life. He promises you a new purpose and a new mission that aligns with heaven that makes you not a citizen of this earth, but a citizen of heaven and a passerby of this earth trying to get as many people to come with us as possible on, this way to, on our journey to heaven and Jesus ultimately. And so for us to be a, G, a hero maker, we must first be a Jesus follower. So I ask you this to kind of just start off this message. Are you following Jesus? Are you, a, are you following Jesus? If you are following Jesus, then let me tell you this, then you, like what Jesus says, hey, don't be a fisher. So I'm going to call you from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. Then you have been called from going from a hero to being a hero maker. What do hero makers do? What do hero makers do? Uh, I'm going to give you a couple things really quick. Hero makers don't need to be the heroes but bring others along following the ultimate hero, Jesus. What I love about this story is that Jesus didn't just invite these men into salvation, but a lifelong journey with him. We fast forward three years and Jesus has discipled these men. He spent time with these men. And, and, the last, and, the, and for the last three years, they have gone on this journey with him. And Jesus has since died. He has risen again. And he has spent time with them in his glorified, resurrected body. And in the last moments of Jesus being with uh, his disciples, we end up in Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, uh, 18 through 20. If you've been in church long enough, you know what this verse is. And it says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, he's talking to his disciples, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is he essentially saying? Invite others to follow me as I have invited you to follow me. Invite others on this journey of following after me. And when you decided to follow Jesus, you did not sign up to sit on the bench. Right, God did not save you to seat you. He saved you to send you and to be a hero maker yourself. 
And this is a mission and a purpose bigger than ourselves. You know what we have the benefit of is, is seeing their stories play out. They didn't have that benefit. When Jesus says, cast your, cast your nets down and follow me, they weren't like, all right, let me just fast forward to Matthew 28 really quick. How's this going to play out? All right, let me fast forward to Acts really quick. How's this going to play out? Like, they didn't have that. All they had was their nets and the guy with sandals. Like, that's literally all they had. And we're looking at them going, hey, good choice, guys. Like, good choice to follow Jesus. Good choice to drop your nets. None of us are looking at their lives and their stories going, should have kept the nets. None of us are looking at their stories like, should have stayed on the beach, bro. Should not have followed that guy named Jesus. None of us look at their disciples' stories and go, you should not have followed Jesus. In fact, if you know a lot about church history, you're, you're saying, thank you for following Jesus. Good job for following Jesus. Because you decided to follow Jesus, history says, because you decided to follow Jesus, now we have the stories of Jesus. We get to learn about our Savior and our Creator, Jesus. Thank you for following Jesus. Not only did it benefit your life, but it, fitted, but it benefited the lives generations to come. And when Jesus asks you, will you follow me? We don't have the benefit of flipping to the next chapters of our lives. All we have is our nets, the old, the thing that we are trying to accomplish ourselves. The old way of living and thinking and behaving. The old way of leading our family and treating our spouse and leading our kids. The old way of of operating, the old way of having a worldview, the old way, and you insert your own blank. And Jesus is saying, will you leave that for new? Will you leave that for greater? Will you leave that for better? And of course, each and every single one of us want to say, of course I would leave my nets and follow the guy with sandals. But it's easier said than done. And not just that, it is easier said than done to tell other people to leave your nets and follow Jesus. But it's what we've been called to. It's what we've been tasked with. Go. That when Jesus says go in Matthew 28, 18, the original language, it says, while you're going. On this journey called life, while you are going on this journey called life, make disciples. While you're going, teach and baptize all nations. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. So in your lives, are you still holding on to the nets and not following the ultimate hero and hero maker? And if so, I'm encouraging you to let them go and embrace the new. And I'm also telling you that this is, should be our message to others, to let go of the old and not embrace the good life but a new life in Jesus. Number, number two, what else do hero makers do? They Hero makers take risks on people. Hero makers take risks on people. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. We're going to backtrack a little bit. So we know the end, the beginning of Jesus' journey with the disciples, and we know the end. He has complete confidence in them to go make, all, to go make disciples. But what about in the middle? Well, here's, here's Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. It's this. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those who he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might, might be with him and might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, 
to whom he named, uh, gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, brother of James, whom he gave the name uh, it's a long name. I can't read it. My eyesight is so bad. The sons of thunder. Continuing on verse 18, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, uh, his, or Simon, I'm going to read over here, the zealots, okay? Verse 19, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him in verse 20. Uh, or sorry, that was it. And Jesus who betrayed him. So all that to say, uh, he looks at his disciples and he appointed 12 of them. And what is the key phrase I want to focus on in this passage? That they might go out and preach the gospel. That they might follow him for the rest of their lives. There was no promise. In fact, out of these 12s, one sold him out for money, Judas, who betrayed him. Another one, Peter, denied his name and in fact cursed his name. The, when Jesus was on trial for to eventually be crucified for something he was, in fact, innocent of. Another one doubted that he even rose from the grave until Jesus walked through a wall and showed him scars. So that they, what's the key word? Might go out and preach the gospel. Jesus took a chance and he took a risk. Here's the thing. He invited them anyway. Risks are scary. It's the unknown. People are messy. It's easier said than done, especially if you've been hurt before. But if we're to follow Jesus and to be hero makers, we have to be risk takers. We have to be risk takers. My third thought for what it takes to be a hero maker is this. Hero makers pour themselves into regular people. Hero makers pour themselves into regular people. The disciples that Jesus called, many of them were, again, still teenagers, if not early 20s. They were not the fearless leaders we read and, 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 uh, and would die for the gospel like an axe. They were boys, teenagers, messy, confused, irrational, quick-spoken. They were... Here's the key word, normal. And if you're in here and you're like, I'm just an ordinary person, I'm just, I'm just normal. I feel like I'm just a normal guy. Great. Right? Great. And as hero makers, what we want to do a lot is we want to find the people that have already arrived. That's, that's who we want. That's who we're looking for. That's who we're looking to be our ride or dies. Jesus commands us and models after us, just look for normal people. Just look for the average Joes. Just look for normal people. You know, when, when I um, have the opportunity to help disciple people, and um, I myself am a product, product of discipleship from somebody else and other people in my life, you know what I look for in people is just normal people. I look, we, I look for people who are teachable and, and can ask questions and are open to learn. When people who I am on this journey of discipleship with become self-righteous in their journey, I've already, I, already, I already know. I got it figured out, right? I, I, got, I, know, I, know, I got I got, I got, I got I, I'm good. I don't need to learn. I don't need to learn. God's word says, do, like, be weary to pour into a self-righteous person. 
That when those moments happen, when the person who I am helping disciple come across as, I know it all, there's nothing new under the sun, you can teach me, then that's when the moment I'm like, all right, then I'm not going to waste my time. But to the people who are normal, the rest of us, who do not have life figured out, find those people. Find the people you already do life with and start to make heroes out of them. This is what it, what it means to be a hero maker. We help them follow Jesus. We find normal people and we take risks on them with no promise that it was, it's going to work out. So, Trey, what do I need to do this week to be a hero maker? Someone that gives life into others, that pours life into others. Really quick, four quick things. You ready for this? Number one, follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. What do I need to do this week? Number one, follow Jesus. You cannot lead people to a place you currently are not. You cannot lead people to a place you have not been. You need to be following Jesus. That is what Jesus has called us to do. When he passed by the disciples on the shore, he didn't say, hey, here's a thousand rules you need to do. He goes, follow me. And on the journey, I will reveal to you the things that need to change, the mindsets that need to be changed, all this stuff. But right now, just follow me. And in the following, you will see the changing. In the following, you will see the discipling. So number one, follow Jesus. Number two, speak truth. Speak truth into the lives of others. Help others be who God wants them to be and desires them to be, not everything they want to be. One of the worst things you can do for people is affirm every thought and opinion they have. I just, I just really feel like God wants me to be a millionaire and really be successful, so here's how I'm going to step on people and ruin people and, in fact, go down this way of uh, making success and making money. I affirm that thought in you. Go be a millionaire and ruin lives along the way. Right? Like, that could be the worst thing I could say to you. Or, or maybe it's this. You know what? I don't really give to the church. Uh, I don't really attend church that often. I really experience God in nature. Um, and I really think that God wants me to have rest. So I typically take most Sundays off. Um, as just a personal rejuvenation time. And uh, I will send my wife and kids, or I'll send my husband and kids to go to church, but this ain't for me. Like, I'm, I'm going to stay home. And me being, and one of us going, like, good for you. You know, like, I affirm that in your life. Like, good for you, man. No, what you should do is in truth and love, help them see and hear a biblical truth. Not affirming what they're doing or even what they want to become, but speaking truth to them in a way of saying, hey, listen, I don't think that that aligns with God's word. I don't think that's the path of righteousness that God's word talks about. So if, if you will allow me, let me encourage you. I would think about it this way. And in fact, here's what I would do if I were you. And then put it in their court, but nonetheless, you have spoken truth as you follow Jesus. Number three. Live generously. Live generously. Here's what I mean by that. Share your time with people. It takes time to be a hero maker. Jesus, right? 
greatest human to ever walk the earth. And more than that, he was also king and lord. Like, I don't want to minimize who he was, but he walked the earth in flesh and bone. He walks the earth, and it takes three years for the ultimate teacher to have confidence in the 12 to send them out on mission without him. And not everybody ended up there. One of them even betrayed him for money. Like, he took a risk, and it hurt. It takes time. So if you say, well, I invited my friend to church about a year and a half ago, and he hasn't come since, so I kind of just gave up on him. Well, have you reached out since then? Nah. Text him again. Call them again. Reach out to them again. Hey, my friend really um, confided in me over coffee the other week about how he's struggling with this. And, you know, it's been about a year since I've actually brought it up with him. Um, just because it takes time and I don't really feel like I have. Pour into people. The greatest thing you can pour into is not your backyard. It's not your porch. It's not your house. It's not the car you drive. The greatest thing you can pour into is people. Your car will not spend eternity somewhere, except the 95 Honda Civic. That will run forever, right? No, I'm just kidding. Your house is not going into eternity with you. Your neighbor is. Your friend is. When we say live generously, give time to people. When somebody pops into your head, don't just think, oh, I may need to call, reach out to them later. Text them right then and there. Take five seconds out of your day. Pause Netflix that you've already been binging for five hours and text somebody. Call somebody. Live generously in relationships. And number, and number four, create high expectations. Here's what I mean by this. When you start to get into this process of you're following Jesus, you're speaking truth into somebody's lives, you're giving your time generously, don't let them think like, and let them guess. I don't know where we're going with this. Let them know, hey, I am calling you out to build you up to send you out. Because this is what Jesus did with us. We call people out in, in truth and in love of like, I see in you that you are a great leader. I see in you that your capacity and how you lead your family, you don't even know how good of a job you can do in this role. Your capacity to do this, your I see this in you. And if you're willing, let me pour into you. Because our end goal is for this to be, for you to be this. Not because I desire this for you, but because this is what God has created for you to be. And let me, as a Jesus follower, speak this into you, that you're not meant to just be fishers, but you're meant to be fishers of men. And here's how you get there. You follow me. Here's the game plan. Here's the roadmap. This is easier said than done, and it requires a crazy amount of courage and faith, not in of our own selves, but as we follow Jesus that we can reach down and say, like Paul said, hey, follow me as I follow him. And you will find yourself, rather than being the hero of your own story, pointing to the ultimate hero named Jesus, who has called you to be and is the ultimate hero maker, and is making a hero out of you if you're following him, and has called you to be a hero maker yourself. One of my 
greatest mentors in my life. His name is Ryan Cosen. Um, he is from Tallahassee, um, which is uh, the worst city in Florida, home of the Seminoles. Um, and uh, he is from Tallahassee, and um, he... Uh, he went to the same college I went to, but he is, um, so the college I went to, it's attached to the church and the school that I grew up in, and so um, he went there to play college basketball, and um, just so happens to be a youth leader, and my dad was running the young adults ministry at the time, and um, Ryan said, hey, is there anybody I could pour into? I'm good at basketball, and he knew I loved basketball, so he was like, my son Trey, he's in sixth grade. Uh, would you be interested in pouring into him? And so I get, um, uh, my dad tells me, hey, this guy you've never met before is coming to pick you up at 6 p.m. I'm like, why? <laughs> and uh, he's like, he does professional one-on-one um, -on -one training for basketball. He's, he developed he developed skilled players. He um, actually is trained and certified in this and the starting point guard for the University of Florida, he helped personally train. I'm like, I'm all in. And so I'm showing up thinking this is just solely for basketball. He takes me to Whataburger, which is by far the greatest fast food restaurant in the history of the planet. And he takes me to Whataburger and he didn't ask me questions about basketball. He asked me questions about what I thought about church, what I thought about faith, what I thought about this person named Jesus. And he started asking me these questions, and instead of just, like, I had grown up believing in Sunday school or heard in Sunday school of, like, hey, tell me what to believe, he started to prod my mind of what do you believe? And it started this whole journey of, hey, I think you should read this book. Hey, I think you need to be doing this. Hey, when you're deciding about where to go to college, Trey, here's what I would really encourage you to do. And he got to the point in my life where if I needed to talk to somebody at 11 p.m., at 10.30 p.m., at 1 a.m., at whatever time during the day, I would look at my contacts list and I would call Ryan Cosen. And even to this day, he's still somebody I keep close in touch with. His daughter was our flower girl at me and my wife's wedding. Like, we love the Cosens. And it all happened because one guy showed up in my life. And I was in sixth grade. And he says, I see in you. Right before I graduated high school, I pulled him aside. I was like, I really, I, Ryan, I have two lanes. There's one lane I know I'm called to, and I feel like I'm called to, but there's another lane that I want to do. He's like, what do, you, what do you feel like you want to do? I was like, I really just want to go into the police academy and be a, a law enforcement officer. I want to go be, um, I, I know the, the path I want to go, and I eventually know where I want to end up. He said, what do you feel called to? I was like, the thing I have dreaded my entire life. He's like, what? I was like, ministry. <laughs> and it, in a three-hour conversation, I came to the point of I submitted my application to a Bible college. And he helped me. He helped speak life into me. He didn't affirm what I wanted to do. He spoke truth. He gave of his time. And he was following Jesus all along. And I am where I am today because of that hero maker in my life. And now I want to turn around and do the same for others. Could you imagine the impact this church could have on the community if we all decided we're going to be hero makers? We're going to make a difference. And we're going to help people know and follow Jesus. I'm committed to it. Are you? And will you join me? Will you stand? I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if God's just doing something on your heart, just spend some time in, in prayer with him, and we're going to sing again and respond in worship.
but this is your time to just respond. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for you. And we're thankful that you are our ultimate hero. You are our savior. When we had no hope or way out or victory over the lingering enemy of death, hell, and the grave, you came and defeated that which we cannot defeat. And now death is dead. The grave, God, the eternal grave, the eternal death, it's, it's done. You said it's finished, it's paid for. Our sin is settled and we never have to know eternal death, but all we know now is eternal life as followers of you. God, I pray that we would live out of that and our response would be obedience and what you have called us to do obediently is to not be the heroes of our story because you are our hero, but to be a hero maker, to make disciples. Give us strength, give us courage. God, the names of who we're called to reach, I guarantee you and I believe in my spirit that when I started to talk about this, somebody's name popped up in the hearts of each and every single person in this room. Give them faith, give them courage, go before them, pave the way, move the heart of that individual. We pray this in faith, believing we will see it to come to pass. And all these things, we worship you, we praise you, and in the name of Jesus, amen.